Welcome to the first episode of Spicy Eyes. We're a podcast about food and culture in Las Vegas. Everyone's familiar with the Strip, but our goal is to take you beyond all that and show you the diversity that makes up this place we call home. I'm Christy. And I'm Sonia. And we are Spicy Spicy Eyes. (laughs) So it was hard to decide on our first topic, but we finally came up with one we loved. When you ask anyone about good food off the Strip, you're definitely going to hear about Thai food. Thai food in Vegas is kind of a big deal. Everyone has a favorite Thai restaurant in town. There's Kamal, Weera, Pinkow. There's Chada, Archie's Kung Fu. The King and I. And of course, Lotus of Siam. But we'll get to that in a minute. First, we take a trip to a place where Thai people who live in Las Vegas gather. We're at a Thai Buddhist temple called Chaya Meditation Monastery. It's south of the 215, tucked into a residential neighborhood slightly to the west. Today, the courtyard is bustling with activity. Families are staking out white plastic lawn chairs, and lines are forming behind each of the food stalls. It's stuff you can't really find at restaurants. This is called fish cake, and this is kind of a cake Thai style, you know. And this is deep fry. This is their monthly food fundraiser, which raises money for the temple, but also serves as outreach to the community. For Thai people, right, a a temple is not just about um, religion. It's not just just somewhere to go meditate and and, and be a monk. That was my friend Cal. He's Thai, and he trained as a monk at Chaya for a few weeks in his early 20s. It's pretty common in Thai families. Cal explains that they have funerals, holiday celebrations, and concerts, beauty pageants as well as the food festival that we went to. Especially if, you, if, you're, a, if you're a kid, you're born here, you're a Thai kid, you're born in Vegas, you don't get, to, you don't get the exposure, and then you kind of lose the tradition. Right? So, I mean, having something like this is great. So to learn about how this all came to be, we talked to Mark Padungpat. Mark is a Thai food expert, but he's not a chef. Mark is a professor of Asian American Studies at UNLV. He wrote a book called Flavors of Empire that tracks the history of Thai American communities through food. So Mark told us he was actually hesitant to study food until he realized it was the best way to tell the story of Thai American communities in the United States. And Thai food in America goes way, way back. The history of Thai food in the United States starts with U.S. intervention to Thailand and really not when Thais first stepped foot on U.S. soil. And so it originates when U.S. becomes involved in Thailand during the 1950s, when state officials begin to see Thailand as a very strategic location. Uh, to fight communism in Southeast Asia. And that's when you have people like travelers, business people, housewives, who collect all of these recipes and then bring them back to the United States uh, before Thai people get to the United States. And that relationship opens up and fuels Thai food culture in the United States because that's the relationship that allows Thai people to immigrate. Mark told us that Thai food wasn't always popular. They had to find inventive ways to get people to try it. In a way... Thai restaurateurs, they had to create a new market. A lot of the early restaurants would name the restaurant like a Thai Chinese restaurant, get people in the door to eat Chinese food, and then say, hey, you like that? Try this noodle dish, and it would be like pot thai, right? (laughs) It's like this is how they would get customers to try the food. Um, So that was one strategy. But then to really mark this distinction, I think once 
the restaurant started opening in West Hollywood, they opened up uh, strategically next to movie studios and music studios. And so in the 80s, you know, this kind of like Hollywood celebrity culture, like really gave Thai food this kind of trendy cultural cachet. So while all of this is happening in L.A., we start to see the growth of the Thai community and Thai restaurants here in Vegas, too. And a lot of them are coming straight from the Thai community in L.A. that Mark writes about. And this is where we get to talk about how Thai food became a thing in Las Vegas. Because Jonathan Gold, he's the Pulitzer Prize winning L.A. Times food critic who passed away recently. He came to Vegas in the year 2000 and wrote about a restaurant here called Lotus of Siam, calling it, quote, the best Thai food in North America. He especially loved Chef Saipan Chutima's northern Thai menu, praising their crispy rice salad, the grilled fermented pork sausages, and pungent catfish larb. We sat down with Chef Chutima and her daughter Sabrina, who translated for her, in a rare quiet moment at the otherwise bustling restaurant. Seriously, people line up an hour before it opens every night just to get a seat. My parents didn't know who he was, didn't know if he was a food critic, a writer, or anything. Didn't know, didn't care. All he knew was that, hey, you're here. I remember you from years ago. Here, try this dish. It's your favorite. So after that, Lotus of Siam became a foodie destination. Anthony Bourdain came to Lotus of Siam, and Saipan Chutima won a James Beard Award. That's like an Oscar in the food world. And what's more, she was the first Asian-born chef to win the award for cooking the cuisine of her home country. That's the kind of food writer Jonathan Gold was, opening up doors for people cooking their own food rather than using it to add to his street cred. And despite their own street cred, Lotus of Siam has remained incredibly humble. I mean, if you look at their menu, they've kept their prices pretty reasonable. We're not very greedy people, in a sense. We don't want to take money. I mean, we could if we wanted to. But we also have to think about the other side of, you know, there's jobs outside aren't that doing that great, people aren't getting paid as much as they should be. And we figured, you know, if we do prices so over the top, like on the casinos or on the strip does, there's no one left for us to serve. We want to be able to serve not only, you know, upper class people, we also want to be able to serve middle class, maybe lower middle class people that have the money that, you know, maybe want to spend once a week or something. This is how Jonathan Gold wraps up a 2012 article for Sever that revisits his first review. The real astonishment in visiting and revisiting the restaurant over the years is its purity, the authenticity of the cooking, and the quality of the ingredients the Chutumas have managed to maintain in a restaurant with essentially no Thai customers. Thai restaurants, like Thai herbs, are difficult to cultivate in the dry heat of Las Vegas. The Chutumas have made theirs thrive. That's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. But it's also, like, complicated, right? Because authenticity is one of those kind of tangled concepts, especially in food writing. Right. I struggle with that, too. Yeah, remember that Thai robot? Yes! <laughs> the robot. So I read this article in the New York Times years ago talking about how the Thai government had developed this machine that would taste and rate the authenticity of Thai food. It was pretty strange. So they would, like, what, put a spoonful of curry in the machine? Yeah, just, like, feed it a little taste. <laughs> I honestly don't know how it worked, but it was funny. Oh, man. You know something is happening with authenticity when the Thai government steps in and this happens, you know, in 2003. So it's happening. It's been happening since 2003, where they step in and they're trying to standardize Thai taste. So they were doing this for a reason. 
The Thai government has spent millions of dollars on research, marketing, and even restaurant loans over the past 15 years to promote Thai food abroad. Yeah, they basically invented gastro diplomacy. That's when a country uses food to promote their image abroad. Countries like Peru and South Korea have done it too. Who gets to define what's authentic and for what purposes? Yeah, those two questions are central to the authenticity debate. And almost always, it's the more culturally conservative um, members who, of, the, of that group who set the, the standard and who established what is or what isn't authentic. And we posed this question to Ms. Chuchima, too. Authentic Thai for us is, for her in a sense, is more of, uh, you know, childhood memories. Growing up in the village area, that's how you eat it, that's how we serve it. Uh, or even from back when her grandmother was, her grandmother or even her great-grandmother was around, how they made it. She, she doesn't look at like how they make it in the, in the kingdom or in, in the central sense, in the palace area. Because what they eat in the palace is what they eat in the palace. That's, that's how they make it. By the way, most of the Thai food we eat in the United States is considered royal Thai cuisine. It's from the middle of the country and includes things like stir-fry dishes, curry, pad thai, and they're all representative of Thai palace food. But it's not like any one region has the monopoly on what Thai food should taste like. In Laos, sometimes they'll do salty and sour, or um, some places like uh, Cambodia might do salty and sweet. It really does depend on where you're going, how you perceive the texture and how you perceive the taste uh, taste profile. So ultimately, maybe it's less about one Thai restaurant being more or less authentic than another, and more about the diversity of the stories they tell. Right, because, you know, Chinese Thai restaurants, like the one Cal's family owns, represent an era when Americans knew Chinese food, but were still leery of Thai food. And today, the popularity of Northern Thai cuisine is maybe a sign of something new. Our palates are more wide-ranging today, and knowing more obscure foods gives you this kind of foodie cred. So is that why we went to the Thai temple? For authentic foodie cred? I think that might be a part of it. It's kind of fun to know about a place that no one or not many other people do. Um, thanks for telling me about it, by the way. Yeah, it was like a random Google find. I was just kind of searching for Thai food. And it's so good. It is so good. By the way, you should go. If you're listening and you haven't been yet, you should go. Yeah, absolutely. The fundraiser we went to happens every last Sunday of the month. The next festival takes place on January 27th, 2019. It's from 8 to noon, and they sell out fast. Seriously, get there early. They have papaya salad, satay, different kinds of noodles and soups. One of my favorites was the sticky tapioca ball with pork and peanuts inside. What was your fave? Oh, I love those tapioca balls. You wrap them with herbs and lettuce. Oh, oh and those Burmese noodles too. Yeah, those were so good. I've never had anything like that. Yeah, it was like this like tomatoey sauce. It's almost like kind of bolognese-ish, but like it was like Thai Burmese in like essence. It was so good. We kind of went crazy with the food. You hear the 10? I like it, dude. I mean... Going for a turn. If you keep spicy eating that, it'll, 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 it'll mess you up. I know. Yeah. I'm just going to take this other bite. Because it's definitely spicy. Rice. Yeah, that's good. All right. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. If I take like five or ten bites, if I eat the whole thing, I'll die. It's going to mess yeah. you up. You yeah. did really good. <laughs> All right. If everyone's eating it, I'll eat it too. So one of our conclusions after eating with a bunch of Thai friends at the temple is that spice is super, super important. Mark says it's more important than speaking Thai. 
there is a deep, deep connection between the ability to eat spicy and Thai identity. And it's not, again, it's not innate, um, but it's just become, you know, part of what it means to be Thai and how to measure one's Thai-ness. And it's got this culinary level of importance too. It's it's not just something masochistic. Thai people don't add uh, chilies just to make it unbearably hot. Like the point is to add another level of flavor so that you can balance the other flavors, right? So you have to get this kind of balance of salty, sour, sweet, uh, and sometimes bitter. But then that spiciness really elevates all of those other flavors. And so we don't eat it just because it's like, oh, we really want to burn our mouths right now, right? And for Sabrina, who cooks with her mom at Lotus of Zayam, getting an order for a 10 is exciting, but comes with some risks involved. I, I can handle probably about like a six or a seven at a time. So when a 10 comes in and I have to taste it, I, I kind of regret it at that moment. And then I'm just like, oh, man. And when I taste it, I have to make sure that it not only is spicy, but it's also sweet, sour, and tangy. And it has to taste good and it has to mix in well with the food. It's not just, here you go, a spicy dish. <laughs> go burn your stomach. <laughs> I, love that. I love how you like, get to bring the pain, but then you, you know, ultimately you regret it a little bit because you also have to try it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about balance, right? Totally. So, Christy, what's your papaya salad level? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like a four, five. Yeah, I usually just say medium, and that's pretty good. But yeah, definitely middle of the scale. Like, I don't want it to burn my tongue off. Otherwise, it's not that enjoyable to me. Yeah, I've definitely had a papaya salad where my nose was running and my eyes started to water. Yeah, intense. we had that together. <laughs> we did. <laughs> so did, did we answer the question we set out to answer? You mean why Thai restaurants are so popular in Vegas? Mm, yeah. I mean, I think we kind of did. I mean, there's Lotus of Siam. We went into the history of that and how it sort of opened the door to making Thai food popular and accessible here in Las Vegas. Yeah, and also, I mean, having a solid Thai community here around the temple, you know, a cultural community that kind of grounds that, I think, is another reason. But I think we also got a chance to learn about how Thai food really reflects Thai American history. Yeah, and we also got to dig into this question of authenticity, like what is authentic Thai food? And is that even a relevant question? So basically, we didn't answer our question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty good track record for our first ever episode. Totally, but I think it turned out okay. Yeah, I think so too. So let us know what you think. You can find us on social media at Spicy Eyes Pod. That's Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. I'm impressed. I didn't know we had all those accounts. <laughs> um, but yeah, honestly, please let us know what you think and if there's if there's something that you think we should explore. Yes, and tell your friends about Spicy Eyes. And we hope that you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by Sonia Swanson and Christy Totten in Las Vegas, Nevada. Jeremy Klubicki produced the intro music and Marina Damo is our design wizard. Thanks to everyone who helped us get this podcast up and running. And thank you again for listening.